You're listening to the Functional Fertility Podcast, and I'm your host, Kiara Orbe, Functional Fertility Nutritionist. This podcast is dedicated to optimizing your fertility using real intentional nourishment through nutrition and lifestyle choices. Each week, you'll find practical steps through conversations with health experts in this space or solo episodes from me helping you get closer to creating your family. Everything shared on the podcast is rooted in love and science and is meant to help you cut through fertility myths so you can take control of your fertility journey while having fun doing so. And if anything resonates with you, please feel free to leave a five-star review and rating so that we can continue having incredible guests on the show. Thanks for listening and enjoy. Hey guys, so today on the Functional Fertility Podcast, I have with me Ashley and Sarah from Strong Sistas. Hey guys, how you doing? Hey, thank you so much for having us. We are so, I know it's been so long since we tried to schedule this. So we're- oh my God, that's right. I totally forgot. We've rescheduled on and off. Our schedules are just really busy. We're building up anticipation. <laughs> yeah, this is long overdue and I'm really excited to dive deep with you guys. Um, you guys share so much already on Instagram and I want to ask, like, how's the farm going? Ooh, um, something. Thing, someone is trying to really test us right now. Um, to be honest, we're really at a low point in a number of like <laughs> life factors, but I think everyone deals with these. Everyone is going through highs and lows in their life. And it's these low points where you really build character. You really build like stronger relationships. You really like, it makes you really understand what actually matters. And so I think it's always important to go through these times, but um, it's not, it's not easy right now, but we are starting a regenerative farm from scratch as first generation farmers. And we have a lot of challenges ahead of us, but um, we've seen some successes. So we have chickens who lay eggs. So that's like a gold star. <laughs> They're fertile. So yeah, we can keep our chickens fertile. We um, as we'll get into, about, um, but yeah, we, I'd like to kind of explain it as if you've seen those home shows where they do like, um, home flips where someone buys like a really old house and then they fix it up and then, um, either live in it themselves or sell it. Um, so we kind of bought this property that has great potential. However, it's been used for industrial ag, corn and soy for a number of years. And so the fertility like us, the fertility is super low on those fields. Um, and so it's going to take a number of years, really strong, like, um, motivate, like we have to really be persistent with what we're doing on those fields day in and day out. So it is, this is the parallels between like dedication to human fertility with like dedication to land fertility is, is the same. And it's a long oh. process. So we are in the process of trying to like flip the land. Um, we moved in last fall. And the property needs a lot of work, but animals are ultimately going to help us revive that fertility. Um, and so it'll be like two to three years, but we plan to have, we have egg layers right now and we'll be shipping our eggs, corn and soy free, low PUFA, and then we will get sheep here eventually. But yeah, definitely some challenges, but it's expected when you kind of take on a big project like that. But um, similar to like our health and healing, land healing takes time as well. Mm, I love it. Can I just say that one of my dreams is to have a chicken coop and um, have farm animals like just, I mean, not like a whole farm, but I am realizing there's a lot that goes into it. And it sounds very nice and lovely and like all the things that I want. And of course, if I want it, like I'll make it happen. I'll learn all these things. But um, you guys are definitely giving me like a a little preview into what goes into it, which is a whole heck of a lot. So major props to you guys. It's a big project, but I'm sure really exciting, you know, thinking about the end goal and stuff and just kind of like moving through everything. I mean, you guys knew going into it, it probably wasn't going to be like one of the most seamless, easy things yeah. as well. You know, I think that's something that requires a lot of work, but if there's 
anyone, any duo that could do it. I feel like you guys are it. <laughs> well, we appreciate that. Yeah. Wow. But um, so I am excited to learn more about your story. You guys probably don't know this, but I've been following you guys for a very, very long time. Like, back in your carnivore days, I think I like used to binge watch like your YouTube videos, like very, very long time ago. Because I actually tried um going carnivore for like a week. I could only sustain it for a week. Um, I was having like really bad digestive issues, like circa like 2018 or 19. Had a video about that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, too scarred from our videos. Oh. oh no, 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 not at all. I was like, oh man, these girls are like, you know, they're badass. Like they're they're doing it, and you're lifting and all that. Um, and I just. Um, I, I couldn't sustain it because I was like, I'm, I'm hungry. <laughs> and, um, you know, now we know like the, and, and, you know, I, I want your like opinion and your take on everything and like what you've been through to kind of, cause we know that your story is, um, missing periods. So how long have you guys been missing your periods for? Um, yeah. So I lost my period sometime. Okay. So during my teens and I think Ashley is like a pretty similar journey, dealt with a lot of like eating disorder and never really eating enough anorexic. So naturally like going through puberty, I did not provide myself optimal fuel or nutrients to even like start the process. So I went my teens a lot, like not, I did get like, I did get it when I was younger, but then I lost it when I went through this like stage of eating disorders. And so, um, I would kind of get it on and off. And then in college, I got an IUD. So I kind of just like masked all of it. I just didn't even know what was going on. Um, got the IUD out and then I went like four to five years of nothing. And so that's, that led us up to our like HA hypothalamic amenorrhea journey. Um, and she is even longer. Yeah. So I am slightly different than Sarah. Sarah, I would say definitely went through like the cycles of like very, very, very lean and then like gained a lot of weight and then very, very, very lean. Like you went through like one or two of those cycles. I am case in point orthorexic. Like if someone were to look up definition of like orthorexic teenager, you would see a picture of Ashley Armstrong. So when I was 14, I got, or 13 or 14, I got really into soccer and I started going to this like training facility where they started talking about the importance of nutrition for performance. And I'm like, I want to be the best player there is. I was obsessed with Mia Hamm at the time. And I got really into nutrition and like ever since that day, Kiara, like I have been obsessed with how can I eat my best to perform my best. And of course at that time, you know, I was doing like whole wheat bread, brown rice, grilled chicken and broccoli. So very low fat. Um, and low so, key, very low nutrients. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> honestly. And so I was never anorexic. I, I always knew that I needed to eat to be able to perform well. So I never did like really low calorie, but I was always underneath that threshold of like the amount of calories necessary for a very active, um, female athlete going through puberty. I was right underneath that threshold of like, girl, you're just not nourishing yourself. And so I only got one natural period in my entire life. Um, I played, uh, uh, golf in college. And so I was like a very serious athlete in college and my schedule was really demanding as like an engineer and a golfer. And so it's been about 12 years of amenorrhea for me. And I have dug myself into a seriously large deficit hole. Um, one natural period when I was just like around 16 and then just a lot of working out and exercising under eating, but never like super, super lean. So I could like fly under the radar as like, oh, she doesn't have too big of a problem. She's just like pretty lean because she's an athlete. Um, and it was just accepted at the time that like, oh, it's okay. You don't have your period. Like there are these methods that you can do when you're like older and can get pregnant, like no big deal. Um, and so, yeah, I'm definitely reaping the consequences of those actions now trying to dig ourselves out of the hole. But both of us kind of committed to trying to heal amenorrhea April of 2020. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's going to be a very long journey for me, um, because of that huge hole. And then we are undergoing a tremendous amount of stress right now in life. So yeah, that's kind of a little overview of. 
are issues. I don't think I had any idea that it's been that long. You've only had one period your entire life. Um, Birth control, a series of birth control, but I was honestly never really good at taking it. And so like looking back, I'm thankful that I wasn't, but it was still kind of an issue because I was prescribed by some of the doctors, but yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. And you guys were keto and carnivore in the mix of those years, right? Yeah. We, gosh, time like really flies because- I feel like we've been off that for a while now, but it yeah. really was only probably like four years ago we were doing keto. And then like, was it two years ago? Carnivore. Two years ago was carnivore for a full year. So like she said, leading up to that April, 2020, when we ate a carb for the first time <laughs> in a really long time, it was like such a traumatic moment. It's so crazy how it works that way, you know, but, but I, so I had amenorrhea before going into keto and carnivore. You had your period? Yeah, I think, like I said, no, after the IUD, no. So we weren't getting it before keto and carnivore. So a lot of people will be like, oh, so it's not, you know, it's not low carb dieting that did it, but it certainly didn't help it. No. So, yeah. But do you think carnivore, what? It didn't fix it either. Yeah, that's true. Did you guys struggle with digestive issues too? Um. Well, so we, we would make videos like digestion on carnivore. So we'd really learn a lot, like why that might be the problem and stuff. But, um, I would say that it was never optimal. Like where we hear about the one to three times a day, every single day, like what it should look like. Um, it wasn't at its worst though then either, because I think, um, I think other, other factors were, were suffering a lot more. And I think that it was coming to this point of getting at its worst towards the end of our journey. And that's what really kind of like was the switch for us to change something. But throughout, like especially throughout keto, it wasn't super bad. Um, but then once we got to the end of that low carb journey, I think we were at our worst. Well, I honestly have always been constipated my whole life. And I think that that's just like case in point, like this girl's metabolism and thyroid is just very low. Yeah. Um, and I remember in college, we did like a training trip to Ireland for golf. I didn't poo one time and it was a nine day trip. (laughs) So um, I definitely had constipation issues growing up. And I think that that's just another symptom of someone who's undernourishing themselves and their metabolism and thyroid are really suffering from a lack of nutrients and a lack of calories and nourishment in general. Um, And then when we went carnivore, um, this honestly, that was the first time in a long time that I really committed to like a calorie surplus. And we actually gained weight on carnivore, which is like the opposite of what a lot of people go through because we were eating in a hot, like we were eating a lot of calories. Um, so my digestion slightly improved in carnivore, but, um, it ultimately didn't get to like one to three times a day until we started implementing pro metabolic principles and we saw our body temperatures rise, Mm -hmm. but it's honestly gone a little bit backwards because of our yeah, I don't even know where you want to begin. Environmental toxin <laughs> exposure. Say, so I mean, that was going to be my next question. Like, what has improved since implementing those pro metabolic principles, other than temperature? Because for a little bit, Sarah, you you got your period back. Yeah, we've got to split it in half. Okay, right. So <laughs> <laughs> this is really hard to who haven't been following us to understand. But so yeah, I got my period. Um, summer of 2020. So four months after, after implementing the pro metabolic. Okay. Um, And it was awesome. I think we were really prioritizing like low stress. We were eating in a surplus um, and just getting an adequate amount of carbs in. I will say that one thing we didn't need to do was like, we, we really used the all in method, meaning we like really ate a lot for our bodies. We went from very low carb to like no carbs to a lot right off the bat. And I think that if I could go back, I might've done a slower transition just for the mental as the mental side of things, because, um, being female in the space, even if you don't even have, I mean, okay, honestly, who doesn't have body image issues at one point in their life. So seeing your body go through such a dramatic transformation in such a short amount of time, it's very hard and it makes you question yourself along the way. Even if you do succeed and get your period, like you can't belittle that it's, it's challenging, you know, to cope with those kind of, um, those kind of stresses, ultimately it's a stress. Um, so if I could go back, I might've done it slower, but I'm still so grateful that I got my period. Um, so yeah, I got my period in the summer 
and then um, we moved in October of 2020 to the farm. To the farm. Moving is very stressful in itself. But then, come to find out, uh, we moved into a really toxic environment that we tested for high levels of mold and biotoxins, such as um, Bartonella, actually in our HVAC, which was blowing all over the house. Mm. So, the combination of these stresses when um, last fall and moving to a new place, I started dealing with like really weird symptoms that were really impacting my sleep. So I saw my sleep health go to absolute crap. Um, so naturally like this just got into a really bad cycle of like poor sleep, high stress, poor sleep, high stress. So all of this impacted my hormones, um, my thyroid, and I lost my period again. Um, so the last, so that was like November and the last, since November, 2020. So what is it? It's almost August, 2021. It's just been this like uphill battle of, okay, how do we, how do we heal from this? We're basically at like step one of our healing journey again, because we are dealing with a lot of stresses and how do I get my period back in the midst of all this stress? And I think that's something that we're so um, fascinated with now is like pretty much having to understand your environment, understand all these different um, sources of stress and like, what can you do every single day to make yourself okay? Because a lot of us don't even recognize all these different sources of stress are impacting us. Um, and there's gotta be a way through, you know, like sometimes the obstacle is the way. So that is honestly what we're, what we're trying to figure out right now and work through. Yeah. Um, and I think we are, we're on our way back up. Like you can't lose hope. Um, but yeah, I hope that. Well, I think it's important to know that. So we were in Illinois um, when we first switched to pro-metabolic principles. We're feeling really great. And then Sarah gets her period back. And then we move and we didn't change our nutrition strategy. We didn't start fasting or anything like that. We just simply changed environments. Mm-hmm. And that simple environment change with all of the like environmental toxins in the new home was enough to make her period go away. And then also give us both weird adverse symptoms. And so we almost felt like we lost and regained our health or sorry, we regained, regained, and then we lost our health and we're now climbing back out of that. Um, so I feel like it, whatever the experience we went through has definitely like pushed us down. Um, but we are remaining hopeful. And I think it's really helpful that we have each other because if Mm -hmm. one was going through this by themselves, like I, it would be very hard to be really hopeful every day that like health can return. Yeah. Yeah. No, thank you for sharing that. I, um, I'm so sorry that you guys are going through that, but I'm also like you said, like hopeful about everything because I know the cycles that we go through in life, although they leave us in ruts and like, it just seems like there's no way out. Um, I was actually listening to a video last night where that is actually like our authenticity and that is like our our purpose in life. And you guys are, you have such a huge platform and I know you guys are helping so many and inspiring so many. I know so many people love you too. Um, so yeah, I have nothing but hope and faith that you guys will restore healthy cycles. And I feel like this is just the beginning. Like you guys, I mean, April, 2020, although over a year ago, I feel like with the history that I just found out about, I didn't really know of like it's, it's a, it's a long ride, but, um, I think you guys are, so intelligent and have so much education that you guys are going to get healthy cycles again. So, um, going back to the mold, like I'm that's a stressor. So I know you guys are working with PJ Harlow. Is that right? Is okay. So what are you guys doing to kind of, cause we have to first, like, are you, you're out of that environment? Yeah. Okay. So, I think this is a great topic too, because like I said, um, there's so many different stresses that could be leading somebody to not get their period that they're not even recognizing. Um, because before moving into the farmhouse, I didn't, I didn't understand mold or environmental toxins as much as I think we all should. And so the normal stresses we think of are like relationship stress, work stress, um, your own mental health is a stress. Or, you know, obviously somebody's under eating or not eating carbs. Like those are all stresses that we're like, okay, that's why you're not getting your period. But very, very seldom are we like, 
okay, what are you, like, what air are you breathing? You know, like what is actually, what toxins and bacteria are you touching every single day in your house? You know, like what, what small fragments are being absorbed in your skin? And I know it's probably not the most common reason for somebody not to get their period, but it is probably a factor in many people's metabolic dysfunction. Can I talk about you? Yeah. So we all know like the gut microbiome is so important. Um, two little microbiomes or two other very important microbiomes that no one really talks about is the soil microbiome. And so that's something that we're trying to fix with regenerative agriculture. Um, the, the fungal and bacterial ratios are way out of whack because of many industrial agriculture practices. And I could go on and on about that for days, but that's a separate topic. Um, but your home also has a microbiome. And if anyone's interested, there's this really cool research project that is really new. So a lot of this like science and information is within the last couple of years, like five to 10 years. So it's an up and coming research. It's called the Home Microbiome Project. And they're investigating like how we all have our own microbial footprint. So like we go into a home, we transfer our microbe species to the home. Or if you're someone who doesn't have the strongest gut or is not the healthiest, that home microbiome will have a stronger influence on you. And so that's exactly what happened to us. We were not the strongest hosts who are strong hosts these days, honestly, growing up on antibiotics, undernourishing ourselves. So we come into this um, home where the microbiome of the home itself is way out of whack. Um, our test results confirm that like there are certain bacteria species and mold species that are like dominating. And so that's, we got negatively affected by that imbalance in our home. Yeah. So, um, okay. Yeah. So dealing with mold stress, um, the first step for somebody to take in this probably is like every stress environmentally is like remove yourself. But the challenging thing is like, that's your home. Mm-hmm. You're like, where do you go? So we were lucky to have our parents' house, but um, to be completely honest, there's a lot of cross contamination that goes on. Like you bring stuff somewhere else because you didn't know at the time, like you kind of just left and brought all your stuff. Um, so it's, it's a really messy, sticky thing to get yourself into. Um, and so right now we're dealing with a lot of like the remediation of our house several months later after we've kind of figured out more things. Um, but if anybody is like concerned they're dealing with mold, I would recommend PJ Harlow just to start there because she will provide um, consultation services and like where to, where to, where to begin if you think you're struggling with it. But in terms of what we're doing to reduce that stress to hopefully just allow us to be comfortable um, sooner rather than later, um, like you said, remove yourself from the environment um, and then just kind of really focus on supporting thyroid and liver health. And it all honestly goes back to the pro-metabolic um, ideology of like, that is the foundation. If you have a fast metabolism, you can probably deal with these stressors a lot better. And so the hard thing is, is that these mycotoxins and biotoxins are directly attacking your organs. So it's like this really uphill battle of like, okay, how do I detox enough? How do I, you know, support my liver doing different, um, using different binders, using different herbs and um, binders, sorry, by uh, coffee enemas and other ways that you can, you know, support your liver without depleting your minerals too much and allowing your metabolism to thrive. So that's that like fine balance that we're working with. Um, but I really think like it's foundational that you bring back your liver and your thyroid health. And it's funny because we could list off all these like, you know, really naturopathic woo woo ways of doing that, but it really comes down to the pro metabolic way of eating and supporting your metabolism. It being going through this, it's really easy to get caught up in like, okay, what supplements going to help me? What, what do I need to be doing over here? Or like, we went through that. Yeah. And I'm, I still, I still struggle with that because you're always seeking an answer when you can't figure out, you know, why you're feeling a certain way. Um, but I really think that the times I've felt my best and I felt my less, least stressed and like the most hopeful, and actually I have had my period come back in this time. It's, it's ebbed and flowed. Um, but those times were when I let go in my mind of just like the traumatic stress of this all. I was really diligent on my nutrition and properly fueling myself every three to four hours with carbs and protein and fat. Um, and I just trusted the process. So I think that really goes to show like a lot of the time you might be in your own way. Like there are a lot of these stresses and toxins and stuff in your environment, but that is just the reality that of the world that we're living in. 
at a certain point. And so if you can set yourself up for success the most you can with having a good metabolism, a healthy liver, well-functioning thyroid, then you are going to be way more resilient to all of these different stresses in your environment. And that is what is going to allow you to remain fertile. Well, I think it's also important to consider Sarah likes to use like, you know, you've got your stress bucket. Oh, yeah. And um, you are going to have unavoidable stressors in your life. Like mm-hmm. no one can live a stress-free life, especially in this current modern times. Um, and so during these times is one of the most important thing. It's one of the most important things you can do is to do what you can to eliminate the avoidable stressors, such as fasting or under eating. And so the, with the mindset of like, I have to support my body as much as I can so that it can handle these unavoidable stressors, such as like going through mold remediation in the home, or like if someone's going through like a breakup or, um, oh, like yeah, moving, like so avoidable like avoidable versus unavoidable, uh, avoidable yeah. versus unavoidable, and like know that like your nutrition can be something that you can take into your control, and that can be something that like can help you through this time. Mm-hmm. And so I think that that's one of the re- like I given everything that we're going through right now, I would still say that we're still well functioning humans. Oh yeah, absolutely. Despite like not having a period, but it makes sense if someone were to analyze like all of our stressors right now, our bodies are just like something's got to give. Yeah, and this is not essential technically given all the detoxing and all the things that you're doing um right now may not be the time for a period and i'm just trying to be gentle and kind to myself with like what i'm telling myself every day i'm trying to avoid the you're broken you're this old rusty car good luck getting your car to start again versus like i understand that right now is really stressful and i am confident that in the future it's going to come back. And like Morley Robbins likes to tell us that we should always be saying, I love to be in balance. I love to be in balance. I love to be in balance. So taking what you can control slightly and making those non-stressors would be my biggest piece of advice, but I still haven't got my period back yet. So we're, we're still working on it, but I think that that's helping my mindset the most. With time, with time. Yeah. Um, Sarah, you had mentioned just like letting go and that, is when you felt your best. That's when you got your period back. How did you let go? Like it's, that's like one of the hardest things that someone can do in their healing journey. Yeah. Um, wow. This is, there's a lot of <laughs> factors that go into this. Um, so I am, I haven't been the best at this. Like to be completely honest, I feel like I have PTSD. Like it's very challenging because this has impacted my sleep. And so that's like, if you're somebody who actually is hypothalamic amenorrhea, you probably know what it's like to have insomnia because your hormones aren't functioning well. And so you have all this time lying awake at night to think about this. So I got into a really, really nasty pattern with that. And like my sleep is still not that great. But what I've had to do is, I mean, not only like repeat these um, daily mantras of like I'm healing, like I'm coming back into balance. Um, But I did seek out a lot of different therapies. So we go to biomagnetic therapy. Um, Wow. It's it's really hard to explain, um, but it's really fun. And I think just putting my trust into something that made me feel good. So somebody else might go and they might not get anything from it. But I went and I felt great afterwards. But if someone believes in like that EMFs are causing issues to the human body, then it follows those principles. Yeah, yeah. It's basically... It's restoring the pH balance in your body and um, it, it, it goes hand in hand with like rife. So using like frequencies or people are like a rife machine. Mm-hmm. So I used um, my, the woman I go to use used the rife machine on the Bartonella that I had or have. Um, and I, I felt dramatically better right away from that. And so I really put my trust into that. And at that point I was just like, okay, like, you know what? I just saw some improvement. I'm going to just keep going forward. I'm going to stop looking up things online. I think that is huge. Stop typing into Google your symptoms and self-diagnosing yourself. She's talking to herself right now. I am telling myself Listen that. to yourself. That's huge. So, like, it's so important. You cannot do that. And then also just, like, I had to stop second-guessing my nutrition, being like, okay, well, it's not working right now. Like, something's wrong. I need to, I need to treat something. But truly, like, no crap, it's not working. Like there's so many other factors going into this. You have to find something to trust and believe in and stick with it. Um, and then also just clearing up different relationship problems. Um, I got back together with like somebody who was really good for me, um, who really has my best interest at heart. And so 
feeling safe in that way um, and reaching out to other people like Ashley, we kind of stopped talking for a while because we were separated and it was just really traumatic. Um, So recognizing that isolation and like being by myself was not actually serving me. And I really needed to reach back out to my sister and um, use my support and tell myself every single day, like I'm so fortunate to have this support system. And like with this, um, my soul knows what to do. Like my heart knows how to heal. So daily mantras, um, really leaning into good relationships and then finding something to believe in. Like even if it's like the silliest thing, just finding something to hold on to, to get you through. Those were the biggest parts for me. And like I said, at those times, um, I would see the most improvement in my sleep. So naturally I could go and do like a really light, weight movement workout. And then that would lead me to feeling really energized in the day. And it's just getting yourself into that positive feedback loop, like a really good one. It's amazing, like how much traction you'll build and how much better you'll feel. Um, so I, I will say that it's been up and down, like it hasn't been consistent with that just because of everything going on. But those are the things that have been the most serving to me. Um, and I, I try to get back into them every time I see that I feel like I'm slipping. Um, but yeah. So I think that answer, if I can chime in here a little yeah. bit, I think that answer will differ on everyone. But I think if someone else is going through a similar thing, writing down and recognizing the things that make you feel good and safe yeah. versus the things that add stress. And Sarah and I, honestly, like it almost makes me cry. Like we went through a really rough couple of months in our relationship. Um, and part of it was like, she said like kind of no to social media at a certain point. And I, at first was like, I don't understand. Like I'm doing this all by myself now. It's just strong sister. (laughs) But like now I reflect back and think how silly that was because she, I like, am so proud of her because at that point in time, she said, I'm recognizing that social media is putting a stress, unnecessary stress on my life. And I'm going to remove that stress right now. And like, I respect the hell out of her for making that decision. And I'm ultimately not good at that. I'm not good at laying out those two options because I am sometimes feel like disconnected from my body and myself because I'm so focused on like achieving other things. And I'm like almost telling myself right now (laughs) that I need to do this, but I think it's recognizing what makes you feel good and what makes you feel not so good and not stressed. I recognize that hanging out with the chickens makes me feel good. (laughs) I am a proud chicken farmer and that really spending time out there on the fields. Like I really am at peace and that's like comforting to me. Yeah. But I, so to tie this back to like the point of this podcast, which is like fertility and amenorrhea. um, When it comes to, healing hypothalamic amenorrhea really is all about stress and reducing that stress. And that like, like we've talked about and what people who follow, you know, is you can do that through food. Um, but at this point I've probably tried everything in terms of like alternative (sighs) therapies. So I, I, I don't want to miss out on these like important small things too, that are foundational is practicing gratitude and starting off your day with things you're grateful for and all the good things that are going on in your life. Like you have to, even if you didn't sleep, even if you had the worst day the day before, like you have to start your day that way and just think like, okay, what if things do go well today? You know, like what if it is a better day? Like provide that optimistic spin because heck it might go better. Um, And then also, like I said, so the biomagnetic therapy, like that's kind of that's different and that's hard for somebody to find, but there are so many different ways um, that you can really lean into this like naturopathic or more different types of therapies. Like um, I know there's the EFT tapping. Yeah. Tapping um, emotional freedom technique, um, cranial sacral therapy. I've tried, I've tried all of them, mm-hmm. uh, but all of these things, Oh, acupuncture. And you can even do acupuncture on your ovaries and stuff, which I've done that. I did that the, the first time I got my period back. I actually thought it really helped. Um, all these different things. If you just like pick one and really believe in it, like that's, that can be really helpful because like I said, you have to find something to believe in, to be grateful for, and to keep you happy and positive every single day. Um, so those are more of the bigger items, the smaller items, like the gratitude, um, the, the, what if I can heal and I can be better. Those are things you can hold on to every single day. So I think that's just like, even for people who aren't dealing with amenorrhea, those are just like foundational. 
I agree. Mm-hmm. And can I just say how hard it is for someone to, especially if they're coming from like a diet background, they're so used to seeing like immediate results. And so for them to just pick one thing and actually stick with it, remain consistent with it and actually trust that it will provide you with results is so hard. I, I like, as you said, acupuncture, I was like, Oh, I've tried that. I just went like twice and I didn't notice anything. So I stopped and like, it's, it's, but I'm sure there's a lot of benefit to it, but I'm, I, maybe it didn't resonate with me and maybe I'm trying like more of, um, have you guys heard of network spinal analysis? No, it's like, uh, it's a chiropractor who, who does this on you, but it's kind of woo woo, I guess, but they, they do a lot of, um, work on you like they they physically touch you and then they also look like they're doing reiki on you but not it's not reiki they're like pulling strings from your spine and like your body's like moving and has a lot to do with like stored trauma and stuff yeah so i'm like ooh, i gotta try it out like i'm all about trying out the new things and finding what resonates with me um i did eft too and that that helped me too but maybe it's just like it serves you in in just different phases of your life too that fluctuates and knowing that you can be um fluid with what you know comes your way and the 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 time that you're in um and i can relate to everything that you're you, you just said because when I was in the midst or the depths, I guess, the the depths of my healing, I had really bad digestive issues. And I just like, you know, the whole 30s or, um, you know, even seeing like functional medicine practitioners and following the diets that they gave me, like it was just getting worse and worse and worse. And like the constipation feeling so backed up and bloated and like crying because it was so frustrating. I'm like, I'm doing all the right things. Like what is going on? And I've paid like hundreds of dollars in supplements and like, I'm, I'm walking and I'm slowing down my movement and this, that, and the other, and it's just not going away. And, um, while at the time too, I was also eating a a crap ton of nuts and seeds, but (laughs) I didn't know that at the time. And, um, the only thing I knew how to do because I like I think my healing journey was like the biggest spiritual awakening in my life um, was just to like let go and surrender. I didn't know what that meant, but I just said, I'm just going to stop. I'm just going to stop forcing. I'm going to stop pushing. I'm going to stop like, yeah, going down Google rabbit holes and Googling my symptoms and just letting go and just maybe like focusing on like more self-care at home and like maybe not the face masks or the, or the baths, the, all those, those are lovely. Um, but more of like, you know, toxic relations, relationships and, you know, the laughter, like how many times am I laughing in one day? And that was kind of like just gathering my community was like huge for me and my healing. And then I started to slowly, but surely see my symptoms start to disappear. I was like, Oh, look, I'm laughing. I'm dancing. I'm having fun. I'm out. And I'm not like stressing about my food and trying to get my grocery list together and just always with the lists. So, um, Yeah. I mean, I think that's a a big part of like why I became so sick. I just, I have this like perfectionist. I I don't want to identify with that because that was also something that I had to let go of. I was like, I am sick and I identified with that. Yeah. And um, so I like, I aligned with the, the chronic illness community, although it did serve a place. Like I finally felt like not alone for the first time. I'm sure you guys can relate to like, oh, there are people out there like me. Like I'm not going crazy because I felt so alone when I was in my own community with my people in my real life. And I'm like, why doesn't anyone else struggle with digestive issues? Like, right. How are they all fine, but they eat like crap? Like, I don't get it. So um, it definitely did serve a place, but I had to like seriously like, take a step back. And it's just, it's just the journey, like all of the, the highs and the lows. And I think everything is just teaching us. Absolutely. So, yeah, it was, um, it was hard, but I'm finally, I feel like I'm in a place. And honestly, I don't feel like anyone, like you said, like living in today's world is ever going to be a hundred percent, like in optimal health, like no issues whatsoever. I think like we were just discussing like the resiliency to the stressors. And if something comes about, you know how to pivot and like maybe doing less and assessing and kind of just doing a lifestyle audit. Cause I firmly believe that nutrition and like supplements are like one of the easiest things that we can do, especially if you're someone who's like, you know, you have a history with dieting and you're, you're good about like cutting stuff out and you know how to be on a schedule. Um, but the hardest thing is, is like the, those lifestyle, lifestyle factors and implementing those. And, um, 
but I think every day we show up and we're showing up on a mat and it's a, it's a daily practice. I don't think the goal is to be perfect by any means. Yeah. I, and so the whole letting go thing and not being perfect. So I know there's a lot of advice for people with amenorrhea to just kind of like go all in and eat whatever they want. And I think for, from a mindset point of view, like that could be really good for somebody who is really prone to using those lists and feeling really stuck by the rules and stuff. And like that stresses them out. So like Ashley was saying in the beginning, like identify what's actually stressing you out. And if that is it, maybe allow yourself that freedom to kind of explore your cravings a little bit more because they might, they, more than likely they'll lead you to a pro-metabolic way of life because we're probably craving dairy or, you know, the more nourishing carbs, the fruits, the chocolate, like those kind of things. Um, maybe just like let go and let yourself follow that intuition. And that's something we're still working on, but that could be one way. So it's like a double-edged sword nutrition. You can really like dial it in, be really specific with it, or you can really be more intuitive with it if that's way less stressful for you. So you you really have to, it's a personal journey. What is going to be the least stressful for you? Because it all comes back to that stress. Like stress, as we know, as Morley says, like, well, deplete your magnesium, deplete your other minerals. So yeah, we can look at the root cause of things. It's a mineral imbalance, but day to day, you you can't really look at it as like, oh, it's a mineral imbalance. There's nothing you can really do about that besides, you know, providing yourself minerals. Um, but that comes back to your nutrition. So things like you were saying, like nutrition, movement, stress reduction, those are the key with amenorrhea. It's not going to be the same for everybody, but, but there's not much more you can really do besides trust it. You know, that's well, the face that I met. Yeah. Like I, I have rec- so like Sarah recognizing at the time when we were going through all this, that social media was adding a stress for me, re- like typing anything in Google about health related stuff is just very stressful for me. So I have chosen not to do that. I'm so bad. And that. so I have <laughs> just like, I have, I am proud that I've been able to work on this and I don't spend a significant amount of my day thinking that something's wrong with me. I am trusting that I will get my period back. And I recognize that right now is a really stressful time, but I, that is something that I've really worked on. And I think it's important for mm-hmm. anyone else that's going through like healing of long-term amenorrhea because it is a very long process. And if someone were to spend like long moments during the day, looking things up, spending like their mental energy and honestly, like glucose and calories in their brain on thinking that they're broken for like two, three years, I think that that's going to like push you backwards and cause even more harm. So I'm just, I honestly have faith and trust in the process, but I can't help. I can't Google search health things right now. That's just, yeah. yeah. That boundary. It's so strong. I love it. I, and that's like, that's tough because you know, you're, you're so used to doing it for years and all of a sudden you're like, nope, that's it. And I want to talk about social media because this is something that, uh, like for the past year or so, I mean, I've always like, I guess ever since Instagram was a thing, I wasn't really aware of like my time usage on it and stuff. But over the past few years, I'm like, oh my gosh, like I spend so much time on this thing. And um, I used to do like digital detoxes and stuff. Um, Now I've gotten to a place where I just take the weekends off and I don't even think about it. Like it just feels so good. And this past week I've been working on launching a course period restoration and, um, oh my gosh, I've like, I've never felt like burnt toast. Like (laughs) that's how I feel right now. Um, and I'm so excited to just take the next two weeks off and just like, just like do what I want to do. But Sarah, how are you like, cause now you guys are back together on board with, uh, social media. So how are you kind of, if there is a balance, how are you finding it? Yeah. Well, congratulations on your course. That's going to be great. Like you'll probably be putting this conversation and like more into a place so somebody can easily digest it. That's awesome. Um, yeah. So I think like at the start, I, so like you said, you actually end up spending a lot more time on social media than you like recognize. Yeah. I just, I didn't know it until I started, I think our iPhone started telling us like how much, um, 
you know, social media or like app usage there was. And I was like, oh my gosh, that's a lot. <laughs> yeah. But I think there's two different uses. There's the in like consuming and the creating. And so I, I can tell a difference when I'm in the more of like creating mindset, even though it is like, ener- it takes energy and it could be considered stressful. It's like a good energy. It's a good way to spend your energy. Whereas the consuming is basically typing into Google, what's wrong with me? Because you're going to be seeing everybody's posts that's like, I did this and I'm doing perfectly now. Or like, you got to try this. Or even in the pro metabolic community, it's like people's different foods. Oh, should I be eating that? Or, oh, should I be doing that? You know, like that's exhausting. Um, So if you're going through a healing journey, like we're talking about Google, but like Instagram is probably the problem for people saving posts of like, this is what I need to do. This is the supplement I need. Um, So for me, like being content creators like Ashley and I are, um, I, I was struggling with both because the content creation, as you know, takes a lot of research. So you naturally have to go look at different ways of eating, different food items, different nutrients, different, all these different things. And then you start self-assessing saying like, Oh, I'm not eating enough oysters. Oh, I'm not doing this enough. And it's like, that is stressful. So a lot of our content is about nutrition and like things we're creating revolving around nutrition and lifestyle can and did become stressful for me. So I had to just, I couldn't consume and I couldn't create at a certain point. Um, so it's, it's honestly still an ongoing journey. I think Ashley and I are doing a lot more of like researching on the back end for the sake of like what we look forward to. So like improving our home microbiome, things like that, that's going to be fun in the future Um, and creating content around that, that we really haven't released yet. And that we're really excited about um, because we do feel like we have now gone through that experience and we can talk about it and we can help people. Um, So I'm, and I know Ashley feels the same probably is like, I now only get excited about content um, that I feel like can really help somebody. So I'm able to be like, okay, so I might be going through this experience. I'm stressed, but I'm going to use it to help somebody else not go through it. So I kind of needed to shift that mindset. It took a really long time. And honestly, Ashley and I are still really trying to find that balance. Um, But I will say that lately, Ashley has been backing off Instagram because of everything that's going on. Honestly, if I like reflect back on the last couple of years, like, Instagram has been like the most consistent thing in my life. <laughs> Strong system, my escape. Um, it's it was my outlet where I could share information. We honestly don't make any money on it. It was just like an escape. Like like you said, you didn't have any people in real life who were going through these similar yeah, things. Yeah, and so we developed this community, and we were posting, sharing our content, sharing our journey as we went along. Um, and that's just part of like. I went to grad school because I thought I wanted to be a professor. I love educating others. It's just something that I thoroughly enjoy. And so Instagram is a great outlet for that. Um, social media itself is causing a lot of issues in a lot of people's like mental health and things. Mm-hmm. However, it's the reality that social media is our future. And so like schools and businesses are going to be revolving around that because that's just where everything is headed, which is not the healthiest thing, but creating so focusing on creating educational content that will help people, that's what Sarah and I thoroughly enjoy doing. Yeah. However, we've had to take a step back. If someone were to go to our Instagram, like right at this moment, they'll see we haven't posted in over a week. And Kira, I can't tell you the last time that has happened. This um, is something and- we struggle with because I would be like, girl, it's okay. Like the world's yeah. not going to end. Like you have to put yourself first. And she's like, no, it's been like three days. <laughs> I've never, I have never personally gone through as challenging of times that we're going through right now. And so like, I am accepting that it's okay. And that we have to take care of our own health first, because that would just be another stressor on top of everything that's going on. So I think Sarah is the really good balance in the strong sisters of like, recognizing that social media can be another stress. But like she said, when we are at this really, like, I feel really good about social media on a regular day to day, like if we were going through our current environmental situations. Um, I like to say that we do like 90% content creation and like 10% engagement, 90% content creation, 10% engagement. And that 
I don't have any stress on that because it's focusing on generating content and then it's engaging, not consuming. It's engaging with like-minded individuals like Kiara, like Jessica Ash Wellness, like these other people in the community. Um, and it's not like so focused on finding answers on social media because it's the endless scroll. Yeah. So, but I, f- I feel like most people aren't in the, they're not. Okay. So if you're listening to this and you're more of like a user, just like looking for the information, um, it's, yeah, it's important to have those people that you trust, but like stop seeking beyond that for a certain point and give something like a consistent try and focus on, even if it's like just your life, get excited about your daily life and create content around that. Yeah. If you, if you have to be on social media, right? Yeah. Like always just try to create more Yeah. because that's going to release different hormones in your brain. It's going to get you excited. You're going to actively try to like have a good day to create something about, Yeah. maybe you'll make some art. Um, do make some music that you'll post. I don't know. Put, take put a picture of your dog on there. Like people, that's what the people want to see. Yeah, we've learned. And it's it's the same thing with Google. It's like the new Google for our generation of like I need to find answers on here, and you know that's stressful. So yeah, just finding that balance. But I think it also like like I was saying before, where you're analyzing your life of like things that you recognize that are stressing you out versus things that make you feel good and safe. The same thing with like who you're following on social media. Oh my gosh, yeah. Like filter that out. If there's like, <laughs> if there's an account that for whatever reason like trolls you or like adds stress or something like that, just make sure that you're filling your social media with people who are upbeat, making you feel good, sharing inspiring stories, putting a smile on your face. Like that's what your feed should be filled with, not necessarily like I don't know, um, like trolls or people trying to like put others down or things like that. Yeah. And all of this is so new still, even though social media has been a thing. I mean, I remember getting on Facebook for the first time in like 2007, but gradually they have just like integrated so many things so that, yeah, our internet is essentially like Instagram. Mm-hmm. That I don't really, there's so much that you can do on that platform. It's more than just like sharing photos now. So it's a new stressor. And I always tell my clients, like, we have never in our human existence been exposed to this amount of stress. And I don't mean like emotional stress. I and mean, maybe that brings on emotional stress, but like, you know, the EMFs and the, 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 the social media scrolling and all that comes along with that. And like the, the insecurities that arise. And it's just like, you really have to know these things that you guys are sharing so that you can become aware and like have, you know, not boundaries to close people off or like close off, but it's rather like a, like a loving way to yourself and to everyone else around you. Because I know if I am more of like a user, like I was yesterday, cause I was trying to figure out what the heck I was going to post for like a, a, a reel. And there are like these, these different sounds. And then I was like scrolling and scrolling and scrolling. And I'm like, Oh my God, my head hurts. Um, but yeah, we got into those. I don't, we don't know how to do it. <laughs> Don't, don't. You guys like post wonderful content. It's so funny. Um, but yeah, so that that was like, it really got to me. I was like, why do I feel like crap? Oh, like for the first time in like a really long time, I was scrolling and scrolling and scrolling. Um, but it's just the awareness. And of course, meeting yourself with grace and not like beating yourself up about like spending too much time on social media. It's just like knowing how you feel when you're spending the majority of your time with your friends, with your loved ones, with like sunshine and grounding and things like that and just doing things that you love and like being creative and um i think we will notice the difference in our health and how we feel but i think you could maybe you do have to like experience both both ends of the spectrum like you know spending all your time on social media and stuff but i'm really happy to hear that you guys are in your rhythm are in your flow or soon to soon to get your flow <laughs> oh yes literally. we're kind of <laughs> we're living at our parents. This is our parents' house right now. And so like mm-hmm. drive, like not having our own bed and like driving to and from the farm, we're definitely like out of routines, but we are like in tune with things that are going on and we're mm-hmm. respecting ourselves, setting boundaries, learning to say no and giving ourselves like time and grace during this time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. That's hard because, um, I mean, saying no is like, there's a lot of like people pleasing behind that, that I'm still like growing out of. Um, but that's awesome that you guys are doing that. So we've covered a lot today. Um, if there's someone out there who is listening, struggling with hypothalamic amenorrhea, 
what is the number one recommendation that you would give to them? Um, I think you just said it best. It's like giving yourself that grace. Like you, you might have, like you can't blame yourself because like you said, there's just an astronomical amount of stress in this world these days. And you might've done some silly things in your past with the dieting and all that stuff, but you can heal. Like the human body is absolutely incredible. I've experienced it for myself multiple times now. You know, it might've gone away again, but I, I know it's coming back. So give yourself grace and don't doubt it for one second that your period's coming back. Like you have to have that confidence. If it takes praying every single day, you do that. Believe it and believe it and it will come. <laughs> I love it. What about you, Ashley? Any words? Like Sarah said, I think that it is first and foremost, the most important thing to forgive yourself. Mm-hmm. So I spent a lot of mental energy, like being hard on myself, being like, why were you so stupid all throughout those years? Like, how could you do such a thing? And like, in this day and age, it's easy to fall down this path. And so don't be mad at yourself. Don't be oh, angry. You are part of the majority. Exactly. <laughs> like, that's a sad thing. But it, it is the reality that like, this is happening to a lot of people. And it's largely because of a lot of these like social pressures and like trying to be lean, like the models and things like that. And so accepting yourself and saying like, it's okay. And there are other girls who are going through this. It's not just me. So that way you don't feel isolated and you don't feel like I am completely broken. Like I am this rare thing. Like even if your friends around you have their period, know that like there's thousands, millions of girls who, who are suffering from hypothalamic amenorrhea too. So that was like a really important step for me in forgiving myself for damaging my body for a number of years. Um, and like Sarah said, it can return. And especially, so I'm talking specifically to people who've had hypothalamic amenorrhea for a really long period of time. Um, strap in and enjoy the process because it is going to take a really long time. I'm a year in and I still don't have my period. I know it's coming, um, but just don't expect it to be a quick fix. Have realistic expectations for yourself that it's going to take time, dedication, nourishment to get back there and enjoy that process. Because if you're like upset about it every single day, or you think that it's going to come back in like a month or two months or three months, it's not. And that's going to put more stress on yourself. So forgive yourself and understand that it's going to take a long time. And I think that those are two really important mindset shifts that are required for you to enjoy this nourishment process and fertility restoration. I love that. There's this book, um, Awakening Fertility, and in it, she writes to invite the excitement of everything that's to come. Like say, if you're swapping out like endocrine disruptors in your environment and stuff like that, can you stress her? Like plain and simple. Um, Thinking about like everything that you have been exposed to in your life, like that can be stressful. But you can get excited about all the things that you're you're going to invite into your home, but not oh. the, the anxiety that comes along with it. So That's beautiful. <laughs> like it's home for me because I became victim to the mold and the toxins and I have become so anxious about it. So you're right. Let's invite all the exciting things to come and all the the beautiful babies that will come from all these ladies fixing their periods. <laughs> Um, that's such a good mindset. I honestly love that. Oh, good. I'm glad it was helpful. Thank you guys so much for coming on the show. I enjoyed our conversation so much and I know everyone will. Well, thanks for having us. Yeah. I really hope that we come back on in like a few months as a success story again. Yeah. That would be amazing. <laughs> that would be wonderful. So we'll definitely schedule that when yeah. it happens. Sorry, it it's going to happen. It's going to happen. <laughs> All right, guys. Until next time. Bye. Hey there, thanks for listening to another episode of the Functional Fertility Podcast. If you want to stay connected, be sure to join the bite-sized weekly email list where each Monday I expand on social media topics to give you the exclusive tidbits of information you need to hear as it pertains to reproductive and metabolic health, fertility, preconception, and more. And if you're ready to dive deeper, be sure to check out my website, kiaramaywellness.com to discover different ways to work with me, such as one-on-one work and my online course, Period Restoration, where I teach you the ins and outs of your cycle and how to transform your fertility, whether or not you're trying to have a baby soon.
If you feel this podcast episode resonated with you, please feel free to give it a five-star review and rating as it helps my podcast so much and it allows us to continue having wonderful guests on the show. Thanks guys. I'll see you in the next episode.